This is purely for the late people and all of you watching this back later this week. I lost a bet. That is all I'm going to say. I explained it to the church a minute ago. That's purely for recording purposes. We will get through this, I promise. Just try not to be distracted. Um, I know I'm losing credibility right now as I speak. So, <laughs> because it is Super Bowl Sunday, I know there's many people in here that have very different views about football. Some of you guys, you didn't even know it was the Super Bowl today. Uh, some of you don't care at all. Some of us, you pick the team based on the colors that you like better. Some you just watch for the commercials and some of you guys are just diehards. Okay, so I understand we're coming from different places, but I just want to humor the football people for one minute. I promise this this will just be wherever we go. I'm just gonna humor the football folks in the room. Um, even if you don't care that much about football or the Super Bowl or anything, there is one Super Bowl you at least need to appreciate, even if you're not a football person. And this was back in 2017, Super Bowl 51. The Patriots were playing the Falcons. Now, this was an interesting year. Tom Brady was one year away from 40 years old. You would call that over the hill in any, any sport. And the Patriots were getting rocked to the satisfaction of most of the country in this moment. People were enjoying watching this butt whooping that was happening. It was so bad that at halftime, it was 21 to three, and with only two minutes left in the third quarter, it was 28 to three. So this was shaping up to be one of the most humiliating losses in Super Bowl history. And I still remember where it was. I was at my neighbor's house, we were hanging out watching it, and I was starting to put my coat on, because I'm like, why am I gonna waste my time watching the rest of this embarrassment um, for this guy? And what many people still had yet to learn at this moment um, in history was, you never bet against Tom Brady. And anything is possible when that man is on the field. Now today, everybody, we are bringing to an end, a final conclusion, this series, Favor of God. We have been in this thing since the top of the year. Has this helped anybody? I feel like this has been a good series, man. God has been doing some stuff. It's been a good series, though. I've learned so much. I've been challenged. I've just had so many amazing conversations with people of just like how this just opened up their eyes and their minds to just what God wants to do in their life, what he can do, and just even stretching our faith. So I've just enjoyed this so much. I know it's been a good series. When I'm sad it's over, I know it's probably been a decent one. I'm kind of sad right now. Like, I wish we could go through it all over again. But we're going to bring it to an end today, and we're going to tie this thing up with a bow, because today really is the final ingredient. This is the last critical piece for the whole puzzle when we're talking about the favor of God. This is like the oven that bakes all the ingredients for the cake. All right, you knew I had a slip of cake illustration in there somewhere. So this is it. This is, this is a really critical thing we're going to talk about, and to help us again appreciate understand kind of some of the principles we're going to cover. We're going to check out two different um, moments in history when some people experienced the favor of God in some dramatic ways. We're going to like two different accounts. So first one, let me just give some quick context. At this moment in time, the nation of Israel was under attack from an enemy nation. They had a very weak military. Things were not looking good. And at this moment, Jonathan was the king's son at the time, and he decided to attack the enemy with just himself and his armor bearer. Now you think about this, this is a kamikaze mission. So Jonathan either has a death wish or he is insane. Or something else is going on. 
And we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 14. This is what it says. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those pagans. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Okay. What we see here is Jonathan actually doesn't have a death wish. He has an almost reckless confidence. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, we might be outnumbered, but two plus God is a majority. And nothing is impossible for him. And so we're going to make some moves. Now that's the first moment. The other situation that we're going to just look at today is these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three of Daniel's friends. He's probably the more well-known person out of this group. And at this moment in time, these three guys are living in exile in one of the most godless, wicked nations on planet Earth, Babylon. And they were commanded by the most powerful man on earth, this king and their boss, to bow down to this golden statue that was created. And they refuse to do it because they want to keep their commitment to only worship God. And now they are actually threatened with death by fire. They're going to be burned alive. Now, I know a lot of us want to please our bosses and we get afraid of being fired if we do something they don't ask us to do. I don't think anybody here has had your boss tell you he's going to put you in an oven if you don't do what he says, right? I thought about that for some of our staff here at this church. Maybe I'll try that method out. Um, so this, I mean, we're talking, this is a life or death situation for these guys. And look what they say to this king in Daniel 3. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. These guys are about to be turned into kindling. And they are so confident in God that they believe he is actually going to defy the laws of science for them. That's where these guys are at. Now, these two instances, you see this crazy conviction. You see people willing to put it all on the line for God. And this reveals our last piece of the favor of God puzzle. What we see is favor follows high stakes faith. Anytime you see someone who has even a spark of this God-sized faith, there is potential for an explosion of favor in their lives. And God's favor shows up when people are willing to go past their own limits and trust God to more than make up the difference. Now, what really is high-stakes faith, though? I really think it's different, and it has two pieces to it. This is how you know if you're operating in high-stakes faith. Okay, the first piece we see here is you will have this conviction down to the core of your soul that God is able. You will believe this. I uh, played a handful of sports growing up, but the one I ended up kind of focusing in the most on was actually soccer. So by the time I was eight years old, I was on one of those kind of club teams that travels around and does all the tournaments and all the things that like consumed my life. Well, a couple years into this team, our coach sat us down and he said, hey guys, there's this kid who's moving here from Georgia. His name is Alex. We hear he's pretty good. We think we're going to give him a shot on the team. And me and my teammates now, haven't been together for years, we're like, we don't need this random kid from Georgia coming to Chicago and telling us how to play soccer and everything. We don't need this kid on our team, but whatever. 
And so Alex shows up, this Georgia boy, and he wasn't good. He was a goat. He was an absolute beast at soccer. It was like having LeBron James on your pickup basketball team at the YMCA. It was like not even fair. And I knew something had changed for our team when we had one game and we won 13 to one with this guy on our team. And immediately in that moment, all of us teammates huddled up and said, okay, new plan, everybody. Give the ball to Alex every single time. Get him back on defense, put him on offense. He takes every free kick, we'll put him in goalie. Just have him do everything. And we absolutely dominated with Alex because he was able, he was able to play soccer on a whole nother level. And it changed our entire team's attitude when we had him on our team. We're like, we got this, okay? We got nothing to worry about. Now, when it comes to truly understanding the ability of God, that completely changes your attitude about your entire life. Ephesians 3, Paul says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Our brains cannot even comprehend the capabilities of God. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy. I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is, come on, let's say it, able, I love that enthusiasm, okay, we'll try that again, uh, to guard what I've entrusted. And Paul's like, I trust this guy with my life. Okay, I'm going to put my life in his hands because I know he is able. Hebrews 7.25, let's try it again. He is, that's better, to save completely those who come to God's room. He's not just able to protect your life. This writer is saying he has the ability to save your very soul. And Jesus himself gives this thing a great exclamation point. He's talking about the abilities of people and God. In Mark 10, he says, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God's ability is never the issue. God can create a universe out of nothing with words. He can part the sea. He can send manna from heaven. He can cause a virgin to conceive. He can turn water into wine. He can give sight to the mind. He can feed 5,000 people with a loaf of bread. And he can even raise the dead. There's nothing that God can't do. He is able and you will know when you're operating in high stakes faith because you will believe this to your core. You will have no doubts about the ability of God. Now that's the first half of this high stakes faith piece. There's one other piece too. It's not just that you're gonna have this conviction that God's able, you are also gonna believe that God is willing. God is willing. Jesus, when he was living on the earth, built this incredible reputation of being this healing miracle worker. So many people saw their sicknesses and their disease healed. They're rushing to him in massive crowds to even just touch him so they could be healed. And at one point in time, Jesus encounters a guy trying to get some help. And in Matthew 8, it says this, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can Make me clean. I just want us to at least appreciate what this man is going through. I mean, leprosy, especially at this time, was a serious debilitating disease. It would come with deformities and other disabilities, and it was viewed as a curse from God. 
because it was contagious, nobody would touch you. And if you came into a public setting, you would have to yell out unclean so people would have an opportunity to get away from you. So this guy has been navigating this for we don't even know how long, but he is desperate. And he hears about this guy, Jesus, and he's on this mission to get some time with him. But did you see what he said to Jesus? He said, Jesus, you can. So he's got the first half of high stakes favor. He's like, I know you're able. I got no doubts about that. But then he introduces a second piece. He says, if you're willing. And look what Jesus says in verse three. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. <laughs> Jesus wasn't just able. He was willing. And this man, for who knows how many years, who only heard unclean his entire life, had the God of the universe look him in the eyes and said, clean. And not only that, he received a loving touch from God. So a key factor that leads to favor is believing that God is willing to give it. I had a really interesting conversation with a woman a little while back. She was just going through a really hard season. And so we're processing, just going through this. I'm trying to just give her some encouragement. And I finally had a moment where I'm like, hey, have you really taken time just to process this with God? Like really bring it to him and just try to work this out. And without hesitation, she was like, oh no, God would never do that for me. I was like, really? Like she didn't even blink. And she's like, yeah, God would never help someone like me. He just wouldn't. And what I found it, find it so, found so fascinating about that conversation is she never said a single thing about the abilities of God. That was an issue for her. She, she believed in a God. She knew he could do anything. She just didn't believe he would do anything for her. And the more I've thought about that is I actually feel like for most people, the God is able side of the coin is actually not too hard for them. It's the God is willing side. Because if you believe in a God at all, you probably at least believe he can do some things. He has some abilities. But for a lot of people, we have these thoughts that go through our mind where we're like, well, you know what? God's kind of irritated at me. You know, like I've just messed up enough where I'm kind of a nuisance for him. And honestly, I just don't even want to bother him with my petty issues. That feels kind of selfish. And I just feel like God just kind of keeps me at an arm's distance. And for many people in here today, I bet if you were honest, you just have this voice in your head that says, oh yeah, God is willing for other people. He's just not willing for me. And I really, really want to challenge that conclusion you've come to in your own mind. Paul, in Romans 8, he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul is saying God was so willing that he died for you. He gave up everything so you could have everything. God is so for you that he literally can't give you anything else. He has poured it all out on your behalf. And so you have to change your frame of mind when it comes to the favor of God. You have to. 
Because you must believe, yes, God is absolutely able. Anything is possible. Nothing can hinder him. But you have to also believe God is willing. He is for you. He is generous towards his kids. And so often, I really believe this, God wants more for us than we want for ourselves. I really believe that. And he is just waiting for us to exercise some faith so he can pour his favor out. Now, if we stopped the sermon right here, which I know some of you would be perfectly okay with, give me a couple more minutes. If we stop right here, there'd be a risk. You could leave this sermon thinking, oh, okay, Brian, I just got to like push really hard and just believe he's able and he's willing and that it's just going to happen. So this is just on me. I, I, I got to get the formula right, which is, I don't know if I've said this enough times throughout the series. God's favor is not a formula, right? We've said that many, many times. And that's why we can't stop the sermon right here. There's, a, there's some nuance. We got to talk for a minute about favor and failure. Anybody in here who has genuinely tried to live by faith, you've tried to believe God for something, you have prayed, you have even pleaded with God for something, you've had this experience, you exercised all the faith you could muster up, and it still didn't happen. And I'm willing to bet that for pretty much everybody here in this room, if you've tried that, that's actually happened many times in your life. And what I've seen for a lot of people is that becomes a very discouraging experience, especially if you're asking for God for something that is extremely important to you and heavy on your heart. And I've seen many people get to a point where they've actually concluded, okay, I must be doing something wrong or God can't be trusted. Because why else would this be happening in my life? And their faith starts to dissipate like a balloon losing air. So how do we understand this then? Because we've all had this experience. Well, let's go back to some of these uh, stories we've been looking at. Daniel's friends, they are facing literal death by fire. And we read the passage here just a minute ago, Daniel 3. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. From your majesty's hand. Okay, fully confident in God's ability, right? Totally believe that he is willing. They have the two ingredients of high stakes faith right there. But the very next verse reveals the full, full picture of how this faith works. Look at what the next verse says. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Well, okay, hold up. Did anybody else's brain just do a backflip right there? God is able. God will. You know, but even if he doesn't. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You just said he was going to do it. They're like, oh yeah, it's going to work. We believe it. But we also might burn alive. That doesn't seem to fit together very well. Um, let's look at Jonathan, because he actually is thinking in the exact same way as these guys. Look what he says. Let's go back to it. First Samuel 4, he said, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving 
whether by many or by few. Okay, God can. Nothing can stop him. Anything is possible. You know what he says in the verse right before this? Look what he says. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those pagans. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Um, perhaps, Jonathan? That, that's, that's, that's the best you can do for me right now, perhaps? If I'm the armor bearer right now, I'm like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, wait, wait. It, it, all you got is a perhaps right now? You're asking me to go in and go fight all those guys? You got a perhaps for me? Can, can we do a little bit more than that? And Jonathan's like, oh no, no, God definitely will. He can, we're gonna, we're gonna take this thing, but um, we also might die a painful death. Okay, you ready to go? Let's go over here, let's go fight. <laughs> when it comes to high stakes faith, you absolutely need to believe God is able. You need to believe he is willing, but you also must understand that favor requires a willingness to fail. You are going to come up right up against some furnaces and fights in your own life. Some real stuff. And many people, when they get to those moments where they're facing the heat of these situations, they interpret that as, oh, well, God must not want me to do this because he would never ask me to do something really hard or something that puts me or even my life at risk. He would never ask me to do that. But you see that favor actually shows up when people have this conviction of the heart. Oh yes, God is going to show up. I know he is able, but perhaps he may not. And I'm willing to live with that possibility. You see, if you decide to play the game with God, there is a real possibility that you're gonna lose. But if you don't play, you will never win. I remember I was four months into my tenure as the new pastor in 2022. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. And already at that time, I was feeling this strong conviction for our church to step out in some high stakes faith and actually start this early education institution. Now, I had no idea how you do any of this stuff. I, I, I didn't have any experience with it. I just kind of saw the state of just uh, education in America. I saw that our building was massively underutilized during the week. And I just know how critical those early years are for kids. And so I just saw this opportunity for our church to meet a need in the community and really raise up the next generation. And so I had at best a perhaps as we started talking about this. It was like a, I don't know, maybe this is a good idea. I have no idea. And as we were talking about it, we're just like, is the church gonna get behind this? What's gonna happen? And I just um, remember as we went down this path, my brain was just spinning. Cause I was like, I'm still so early at this church. I'm still trying to learn names and get comfortable. This puts my credibility massively on the line. Are people even gonna wanna do this? Is this even gonna work? I have no idea. So we just start kind of, praying and making phone calls. And then 
I get in front of our church and cast this vision of like, what if we did this, everybody? How cool would this be? And to our amazing shock, our church responded, was like, yes, let's do this. And we just gave generously and believed God to show up. And I was like, yeah. And then I went home and I was like, oh no, we actually have to do this now. And so we go into it. We're like, okay, well, we got to find a director. We got to start talking to the state and we're doing all these different processes. And we, we knew, especially with how the school year works, you got to hire teachers at strategic times, you know, because they're committed and everything. And the summer was running out. The door was closing to even get a director and get this thing going. And it was mid-August already. And I was like, how in the world do I face our church and say, hey, Y'all just got to be patient as we all waste your money for the next three years trying to figure this out. And at the buzzer, somebody in the church gives us a connection to Toby Monroe, who has become our director and is this incredible woman right at the buzzer. And even as we're getting the fall going and laying things down, you know, all the state stuff you have to get, the facility ready and all these different things. Even when we were just going to do a soft loss in January, we got the first teacher we needed less than a week before our first day opening. (laughs) Okay. You're like, why don't you ever tell us this stuff, Brian? Because it freaks me out all the time. Okay. And even in that first semester, you're thinking about kid enrollment and all the hiring you need to do and all the, all the legal stuff when you're working with kids. And I'm going to tell you guys, this is just honest. There were so many times in this process when I was like, did we make a mistake? Like, was this a good idea? Like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like this could blow up in her face. And how do I explain to our church that, you know, we just had this massive failure and then I lose trust with our church and Brian can't do his job and this thing isn't going to happen. And look at all this money wasted, like just all these things going through mind. Every single day, it felt like we were on this razor thin edge of faith and failure. Every day, just walking that tightrope. But what was kind of cool to see how this faith journey played out is just this last fall, our dream really became a reality and Hills Academy was born and it is going to finish its first full year this spring. And the enrollment has so far exceeded anything we imagined, the teachers and everything. And when I walk into this building, I look out the windows and I see kids playing on the playground every day, making friends, laughing. I hear them in my office every day, just laughing and running around. And I see them and I hear about the stories of them in their classes, learning how to pray before their meals to God. And I see the teachers just investing in them and letting them learn scripture. And I see all the projects on the walls down the hallway. And I just have this moment where I'm like, what if I let the fear of failure stop me? What if I just decided this must not be God because it's too scary or it's too hard? And I am just so glad that I made that decision to say, no, this is worth the risk. This is worth risking my credibility. This is worth risking some money. These kids are worth the risk. And church, I am so glad you all were willing to risk. Yes, absolutely. Y'all are willing to take this risk. And now every single day, I kid you not, I still have the feeling bubble up every day. I feel like God just reminds me when I pull on our property, I see all these kids playing and I see what God is doing. And it's just a reminder to me that God favors those who are willing to take steps of faith, even if it means risking failure. Are you willing to risk failure to see God show up in your life? 
are you willing to look like a fool to experience the favor of God in your life? Because if you're waiting for some certainty before you step out, you will avoid failure. But you'll also miss the favor of God. But if you step out in faith, there will be times you fail. There's many times you fall right on your face, but there will also be times where you see God's favor pour out in ways that changes your life and leaves a mark on the world forever. And church, I'm telling you right now, there are going to be times we fall on our face as a church. We're going to take some swings and we're going to miss. We'll fall on our face, but I'll tell you this right now. We are always going to be a church that gets on the field and risks failure because I will not settle for anything less than the favor of God falling on this place and us seeing him work powerfully through this church. So you believe God is able. You believe he is even willing and you are willing to live with the possibility of failure. You're ready for the last piece. You're ready for it. And we go back to Jonathan and he starts acting in this high stakes faith. Look what it says, how these things transpire. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Two dudes just took on 20 guys. Okay, I don't care how good your nunchuck skills are. That is an only God thing, okay? That's, that's incredible. That is a hard thing to do. Now, you know what I struggle with, though, when I read passages like this? You know where my brain goes? I start to think, well, wait, hold up, God. Why did you even make them fight in the first place? You could have just rained down fire from heaven on those bad guys. You could have dropped them dead in a moment. Can you imagine how exhausting and terrifying this had to be for Jonathan and his armor bearer? This is hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is not a video game. I mean, this is an extremely intense moment in their lives. I mean, this is like PTSD type of stuff. And yet, they still have to do it. Daniel's friends are facing a furnace. God could have dropped that king dead and been like, nope, you're going in the fire. Like, you could have thrown him right in there. He could have turned the fire off. Like he could have done so many things to prevent them from having to do this. And you know what happens? They get thrown in the furnace. They still have to go through the fire. And this is the final principle. You'll see how we're going to close this series out. And you must understand God gives favor, but you still have to fight. So many people think if I live by faith, God is going to take the fight away. He's going to make it easier. He's going to help me avoid any pain or suffering or difficulty. He's my little easy button. That's what God's going to do for me. If I'm really operating in faith, he's just going to pave the path perfectly. That is not how the favor of God works. It's just not how it works. God has set things up so that when you are facing a situation with faith, he doesn't take away the fight. He does not remove the furnace. His favor shows up in the middle of it. 
right in the middle of when you are swinging that sword for dear life, that is when the favor of God shows up. When you're at the absolute limits of your abilities, that is when the abilities of God start to flow into your life and you see miracles work on your behalf. God will give you favor, but you still got to fight. Noah still had to build the boat. Abraham still had to offer his son. Moses still had to cross the sea. Ruth still had to relocate to a new country. David still had to fight Goliath. Daniel still had to face the lion's end. Mary still had to birth a baby. And Paul still had to face beatings, imprisonment, and a martyr's death. So when you face fights and furnaces in your own life, you have two choices. You can step back. It's always an option. And you may avoid failure by doing that. But you will miss the favor of God. But if you're willing to step forward into the fight, you're willing to go right into that fire, you may fail. That is a possibility you always have to be open to. But you may also see the favor of God pour out on your life. So Tom Brady is losing by 25 points. There's basically one quarter left in this entire game. And he and these guys don't put their tail between their legs. They stay on this field. They stay in the fight and they claw their way back to somehow tie this game up and bring it into overtime. And there's actually this clip of Julian Edelman, one of the receivers on the Patriots, and he starts going to his team. He's like, you gotta believe, you gotta believe, you just gotta believe. That's what he's doing to his teammates. And then there's another like big old dude on the, on the bench. He's like, we got Tom Brady, we're fine. Like, that's just what he says. We are good, we got this. And after overcoming a 25-point deficit, they scored 31 unanswered points. And the Patriots proved anything is possible. And they won the game. The greatest single comeback in Super Bowl history forever putting Tom Brady in the GOAT conversation. Anything is possible. Now, that's just a football game. These are grown men in spandex chasing a ball. That's what you're going to spend the next four hours doing today, watching grown men run around for a ball. Okay, just think about that today as you're watching it. Your life has much higher stakes than any football game. You see, you have the opportunity to change generational legacies. You have the opportunity to see God do the impossible in and through your life. You have the opportunity to change eternity forever. Those are the stakes you're dealing with. Now, as intimidating and overwhelming as it may be, you can step into all your fights and all your fires with a bold, unwavering confidence. you have someone on your team who is much more able than Tom Brady. You have someone where truly 
anything is possible. And you never bet against God when he's on your team. Because Jesus, he came to this earth, God in the flesh, and he lived a life full of faith. And he even faced the ultimate fight. He faced the hottest fire. He had to face the cross, a certain death, dying for the sin of humanity. And Jesus himself, he embraced the risk of failure, total failure. And everyone who saw what transpired interpreted it that way. They said, that is the worst failure we have ever seen, the death of God. But you see, the greatest risks come with the greatest rewards because not even death could hold Jesus down. He rose from that grave. He defeated sin once and for all. He is ruling and reigning on a throne and he is coming back in glory. That is our God. And if God can use a failure like the cross to bring about the greatest victory and an outpouring of favor we have never seen before, I'm telling you, everybody, you can trust him in whatever fight you face, whatever fire you're going through, he can give you whatever you need and you have to believe he will. So Northern Hills, let's live with some high stakes faith. Let's believe he is able. And he is willing. Let's believe it. And let's trust that even in the face of failure, anything is possible with God. And I'm telling you, church, we are going to see the favor of God fall down on our lives and on this church in ways you can't even imagine. In Jesus' name, let's pray to God right now. church this last month and a half, Lord. I know you're stirring something in this community. You're wanting us to believe you for more. You're wanting us to just stretch our faith. I know there's so much more you can do, so much more you want to do. And God, I thank you that your heart is a willing heart, God. You want to move on our behalf. You want to show us your favor. That's your heart, God. And I pray we would have that kind of faith, that we have no doubts that anything is possible with our God. That we believe we have a God who is willing to step into our lives and move on our behalf, Lord. And we even have the faith to be willing to risk failure, Lord. I pray we would have that kind of attitude that yes, God, you're gonna do it. We believe you will. But you know what? Even if you don't, God, we're still gonna worship you. We're still gonna trust you. We're still gonna give our lives to you. We know that you have our best in mind. We know your plans are good. I pray we would have that heart, Father. And for anybody in here, Lord, facing a fire right now, they are in the furnace of a hard season. They're in the middle of a fight. Lord, I pray you would just stir in them some fresh faith that they have a God fighting on their behalf, that they have a God who can stop the fire itself even as they're going through it. And Jesus, we know that you have already conquered the greatest fire. You have conquered the cross. And so we can walk boldly every single day knowing we have a God where anything is possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.